I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. So the Pope was going about his business one day when one of his cardinals came rushing in. Most Holy Father, I have urgent news for you. Some of it's good, and some of it's bad. Let's hear the good news first. Jesus descended from heaven less than an hour ago. Well, that's wonderful news. How could anything be bad about that? He's in Salt Lake City. It's an old joke, I know. But I believe it helps us understand the Samaritans' disappointment in Jesus. Like the Jews, the Samaritans were expecting a Messiah. He was going to be a prophet like Moses, and his face would be set towards the temple on Mount Gerizim. Any good Samaritan knew that the temple in Jerusalem was inferior to the one on Mount Gerizim. They also knew that the Jews believed in counterfeit scriptures, which promoted certain alternative facts. I imagine that the Samaritans rejoiced when the first messengers showed up, announcing the imminent arrival of the Messiah, who would usher in God's kingdom. Then they discovered that they were Jews on their way to Jerusalem. Bigotry reared its ugly head and the Samaritans closed the village gates in Jesus' face. Closing the city gates in a stranger's face was no small offense. 
It was one of the greatest social and religious transgressions in Jesus' time. Anyone who refused to welcome a stranger violated God's command in Deuteronomy 10 to love the stranger as God does, providing them with food and with clothing. Unwelcome strangers would be forced to spend the night sleeping on the cold, hard ground outside the city gates. They would be in danger from bandits, wild animals, and dehydration. The Samaritans turned Jesus and his group away as unwelcome strangers. God's kingdom had drawn near to their village, and they shut it out. God's kingdom is an alien kingdom, and I don't mean Area 51 or Roswell, New Mexico. God's kingdom is alien, meaning it comes from outside humanity, outside of history, breaking into time and space through the spirit that Jesus, pour, or that Jesus poured out on us. What is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is like an unwelcome stranger. She does not speak our language, and she does not know our customs. Still, she comes among us to give her children a hope and a future. To what shall we compare the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is like a man who places food and water in the desert for those who sidestep legal ports of entry. He redeems from death those who would otherwise perish for breaking the law. The kingdom of God is strange. It's disorienting. It causes a radical shift in our identity, displacing us from our foxholes and our nests. It quickly moves on from the spiritually obtuse, leaving the dead to bury their own dead. It boldly moves into the future, putting a hand to the plow and never looking back. The kingdom of God is as strange to us as a Jerusalem-facing Messiah was to the Samaritans. After all, his existence threatened the very foundation of the Samaritans' worldview. Perhaps that's what makes God's kingdom appear dangerous enough to bar the city gates or even crucify the Messiah who comes to proclaim it. If we can't befriend the strange in the stranger, how on earth can we receive something as foreign to us as God's kingdom? James and John were consumed with a righteous rage when they saw the closed city gates. The same bigotry that barred the way into the Samaritan villages flared up in their hearts. They asked Jesus for permission to call down fire from heaven on these Samaritan sinners. Then Jesus, whose face had been turned toward Jerusalem all along, suddenly turned towards them. He reprimanded them for their behavior, warning them to never, ever offer to do something like that again. If they did, 
they would find themselves striving against the very kingdom that they were proclaiming. Jesus was not calling them to set fire to foxholes and knock nests out of trees. He was not sending them out to get entrenched in arguments with those who were spiritually stagnant, in effect, dead. He was sending them out with one mission, and one mission only, to proclaim the kingdom of God to anyone who would listen. The kingdom of God is not like earthly kingdoms that are defined by rivers and other geographical borders. It does not depend on our consent or even our collective will, but comes among us as freely and unrestrained as God's spirit. The kingdom of God does not subsist on tax dollars, and it is not built on the backs of unwilling laborers. It is established through the word that God is speaking. It is built on the lives of God's servants. It challenges our structures and our cultural values when they conflict with the good news of Jesus. The kingdom of God is evident in the reconciling ministry of Christ. Reconciliation is a big word, but it's basically about befriending the strange in the stranger. As one rabbinical commentator puts it, the stranger is like you and thus not you. You remain you, and you are to remain just that. But the stranger is not to remain a stranger for you, and thus a mere it. Rather, the stranger is like you, like your you, a you like you, an I, a soul. We were once estranged from God through sin. Now, we have been reconciled to God through the blood of Christ's cross. God has given us such an extraordinary gift. How can we give anything less to one whose strangeness has estranged them from us? Our love and concern for the stranger will inevitably bring us into conflict with the world. The world often builds unity at the stranger's expense. Mean girls and bullies find belonging through abusing a common victim. Governments build unity by rallying people against a common enemy, real or perceived. Religions establish unity by shunning transgressors. But the kingdom of God creates unity through the one-time death of Christ for all people. If the world's methods of building unity disturb us, let us resist by living lives worthy of God's kingdom. Love others for the complicated human beings that they are, just as God loves you for the complicated human being you are. Only be as quick to invoke God's wrath against your enemies 
as you would be to invoke God's wrath against your loved ones or yourself. Generously scatter the good news of God's reign like seed in a field, always looking forward, never looking back. We can only imagine what would have happened had the Samaritans welcomed a Jewish stranger to their village 2,000 years ago. Perhaps they would have discovered that Jesus fulfilled their greatest spiritual longings and desires. Perhaps they would have discovered a radical belonging unlike any they had ever known. Perhaps they would have even discovered life in God's ever-widening circles of friendship with a dying and estranged world. But they barred the gates and told this unwelcome stranger to keep on moving. To this day, their descendants are waiting for the Messiah on Mount Gerizim. We do not need to keep waiting for God's kingdom, because it is already present here among us through Jesus. God befriended our strangeness in Christ, and we have been welcomed into an ever-widening circle of friends by the power of the Spirit. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.sttimothyskokie.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Thank you.